I like to talk about a beginner's mindset versus an expert's mindset. A beginner's mindset thinks there's endless possibilities to solve problems, whereas an expert's mindset usually looks at things and sees it one way because of how deep they've gone. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Ashley Thompson, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mush. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. Hey, I'm looking forward to the conversation and thank you for taking the time. So I want to start with the founding story of Mush. For those that might not be familiar with the brand, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Absolutely. For those who have not heard of Mush, we make ready-to-eat oats with very simple whole food ingredients that give you clean energy. We don't use any added sugar, artificial flavors or colors or preservatives to make the product. And they just come in a variety of delicious flavors for all different occasions, particularly for breakfast, but you can also use it as a pre or post-workout or even as a snack or dessert at night. And Mush was really born out of the belief that better outcomes in life begin with better food. There's an undeniable scientific connection between what you eat and how you experience life, particularly how you feel, how you think, and what you do. And so really, we just try to eliminate the friction between people and healthy food choices by making food that's nutrient-dense, like oats, accessible from a price and distribution perspective and absolutely delicious. And this is really important to me because it is a huge part of a solution to what has now become a human health crisis, particularly in America. 32% of Americans are overweight and 38% are obese, which makes a collective 70% of us too heavy and heart disease kills a quarter of us. And all of these issues were essentially non-existent until the 20th century. And so we're here just trying to help people improve their overall well-being, especially at the start of the day with a great breakfast option. I'm a big believer in starting off on the right foot and the healthier we eat, the more we thrive. So it's a great opportunity to help make the world a little bit better. Speaking of that kind of that inspiration and that goal and the mission, you have a kind of a connection personally with it from your sister being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. How did that kind of inspire the business and the childhood hack you had in that space come about? Yeah, you know, most decision making processes are preceded by several catalysts. And my sister's diagnosis with type 1 diabetes was one of many, but it was a really strong one because I saw her suffer so greatly from something related to her body and nutrition and her body's inability to process certain things like sugar. And I also observed my family struggles with physical and mental health as well. Growing up, working in an unfulfilling job, coming out of college was a part of the catalyst. And then just observing the obesity epidemic epidemic in America really was sort of the, those were all points in which led me to starting Mush. And even, I think the strongest one too, is just my innate interest in health and wellness. I'm a firm believer that in order to be successful in life and the amount of time and energy and imagination you need to put into something to be successful, it has to be something of great interest to you. And so all of those things led me to start it. 
You mentioned the uh, unfulfilling career that kind of had out coming out of school. Um, that was actually on Wall Street, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when did you start thinking about wanting to make a switch and what led you to jump from Wall Street to the world of consumer packaged goods? So after school, I went into trading on Wall Street because I just didn't even know where to start my career. But I did know that I would be able to make enough money in finance to hopefully start something of my own someday. I think subconsciously that was always in the back of my mind. And when I got to Wall Street, I actually quickly realized, I think within the first six months, that it it wasn't going to be for me in the long run. Again, back to that idea of having a strong interest in what you do. I had very little interest in the markets, and I especially didn't feel or didn't like the feeling of playing a zero-sum game every single day. As you might, you're, you know, you're close to, to finance being inventor. More often than not, someone else's gains can be someone else's losses. And so I decided to stick it around long enough to save money to start my own business, I think about three years. And then I just mustered up enough courage to take that first step and took a leap of faith and got started. So when you took that leap of faith, how did you kind of go about deciding that this was the category that you wanted to dive in? And where did you start? Well, overnight oats, cereal in general has always has played a really big role in my life. I ate a ton of cereal growing up. My family, we didn't have really great means as a kid. And so cereal was pretty cheap, accessible, and super satiating. And so I, I ate a lot of cereal, a lot of oatmeal growing up. And I was running a lot at the time when I was working in finance and needed a lot of carbs to fuel my runs. And so just had this, this amazing grain that is oats in my diet. And what I really liked about it was that oats are... They're, they're such an unsexy commodity, they're so, but they're so cheap and so satiating. And so I thought, if, you know, the, these little mighty grains, they can be really powerful. I think they can help transform what we eat in the morning. And I just kind of got hung up on it and sort of started obsessing over it and, and took, it, took it pretty far. And then, yeah, I quit and I didn't know where to start at all. So I just started making overnight oats in my kitchen. And actually, I quit and moved to Southern California, where there are a lot of farmers markets. And that was sort of the game plan in the beginning. I didn't have like a five-year business plan. It was like a six-month business plan. So I started making and selling overnight notes out of my kitchen in farmer's markets. And it was the best way to start. We got so much consumer feedback. Like the feedback loop was immediate and it really helped us develop a wonderful product in the long run. So you were going about, you were selling at the farmer market. Where did uh, Shark Tank come about? Yeah, Shark Tank came in about a year and a half into the journey. We finally reached retail shelves by then. And one of the producers found our product in, L in LA and reached out and asked us to come on the show. And we obliged. We, we were really excited about the opportunity because one of the biggest barriers that we've needed to overcome in building this business is just awareness around the category. You know, mush is really innovative. It's, it's new cold oats that are refrigerated and ready to eat had never existed, at least in a commercialized way. And so we wanted to educate 
the American population at large about this new category and this new product. And we thought Shark Tank is the perfect way to do that. And we are so grateful for that opportunity. It was pivotal and just a wonderful experience. That's when Mark Cuban invested. He really believed in the brand and that helped us build just a little more confidence and a little more conviction in the journey that we were on, which was obviously so helpful. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. You know, as a growing brand in those early days, you know, you started the farmer's market and you had the, you know, the original meaning of a direct-to-consumer, if you will. And then you had the retail shelves you started getting on. As you've grown, how have you balanced the world of direct-to-consumer with, you know, digital channels and everything else with that omni-channel approach with retailers? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we all continue to grapple with that, to say the least. You know, direct-to-consumer for refrigerated products, the infrastructure in America still isn't quite there. And you see that, you see that sort of percolating, you know, FedEx and UPS don't have even the infrastructure to deliver all of the dry goods necessarily. And refrigerated is is really tough to overcome. So as we've grown, we've leaned more so into our retail strategy because structurally it's so sound and set up and there's a much more frictionless path to growth in retail. And I think people tend to forget that we are moving to a digital world, but it's not digital yet. And so you can't forget about the physical world. And I don't necessarily think that we should forget about the physical world. It's actually a lot more economical and environmental, environmentally friendly to be delivering products to stores in a lot of ways. So we, we've leaned heavily into retail and that's really paid off, especially as a lot of folks continue to experience logistic challenges and unit economic challenges with D2C. With that in mind, you know, so many investors have been so crazy about D2C over the last few years. And for all the reasons you just mentioned, retail is actually a really great channel. How did investors react when you said, no, we're, we're going to double down on the traditional of going after retail versus maybe the perception of what a next generation brand should be doing? That's a great question. So I thankfully have some of the most wonderful investors and they're all, um, I have no institutional money on the cap table. All of my investors have been previously operators and some of my larger investors have been operators within the food and beverage space. And so they have intimate knowledge with the difficulties of shipping direct to consumer versus the retail play. And they were so supportive of the strategic vision that we've had for the company over the last few years, which has really made all the difference. I think a lot of success in building a brand comes down to execution. 
And if you're not aligned on the vision, especially with investors, it can be really, really difficult. There's a lot of wasted time and energy. So yeah, thankfully I have the right people around the table, at least from my point of view. And it's, it's been awesome, the support I've received. You mentioned your vision that you have for the business. You also have a really deep mission that goes in that's inspired by you know, a lot of the challenges you mentioned. How have you thought about the building the mission of mental health, obesity into the essence of what Mush is? Yeah, you know, in the early days, I think we build that in every day by just focusing maniacally on making this product as delicious as possible, as nutrient dense as possible, and as accessible as possible from a price and distribution perspective because we know that fundamentally we will be able to combat the obesity epidemic with this amazing option. So that that's really been the focus in the early days. I think over the long run, as we continue to build the brand, which is a byproduct of doing hard things well, we will be able to use the social equity that we build up through the trust and loyalty and credibility with consumers and we'll, we can use that in ways like educating more consumers around what's going on in America as it relates to health and wellness, maybe even spearheading initiatives with other like-minded companies who are also helping to combat these issues because there, there are just su- there's such great strength in numbers. So right now, it really is about the product and getting it out there. I'm a big believer. The thesis is that the the more we grow with the product, the better off society will be as it relates to the obesity epidemic. And then longer term, we would love to do more and more as it relates to things outside of consumer packaged goods. Like any brand that has success, you know, your growth is going to cause copycats and others to merge in the category. How have you thought about continuing to innovate and bring newness to the category that you help create? Yeah, you know, I tend not to think about competitors too much because business really isn't business in general is not a zero sum game. Like I think better for you is only continuing to grow. So even if market share declined, we could still be in growth mode and that's really exciting. So I I I tend not to focus on competitors too much. And then in terms of innovation, quite frankly, we haven't innovated a lot since the inception of Mush. We in, we innovated in a great way with the first product line. But since then, we've just had a maniacal focus on getting it off the ground. It's taken a lot of time and energy to build a new category. But we continue to come out with new flavors that are great. Like we have mixed berry coming down the pipeline. It's launching in Whole Foods soon, Snickerdoodle, what have you. But yeah, in general, we've just really focused on what we're doing now. Um, And I think, you know, you have to focus on things for an uncommonly long period of time in order to make them to order to make them succeed. And that's exactly what we're doing. In your early days of launching Mush, you mentioned that you didn't come from a background in food or food entrepreneurship. What advantages do you think that actually gave you to look at this space differently? Oh, the best advantages. I, I like to talk about a beginner's mindset. 
versus an expert's mindset. A beginner's mindset thinks there's endless possibilities to solve problems, whereas an expert's mindset usually looks at things and sees it one way because of how deep they've gone. And so I think it made a world of a difference. In the beginning of our journey, we went to the experts and wanted to collaborate with them on how to make this product. And they basically said we couldn't do it the way that we wanted to. And I just didn't believe them (laughs) at all and kept searching and searching and eventually landed on a solution that that works. We, We have a really cool manufacturing process where we don't use heat. We actually use pressure to pasteurize the product and extend its shelf life. And it's never been done before. And I think the only way we got to that solution is because we had no experience in the industry and just didn't think about all the ways in which it wouldn't work. We just thought about all of the ways in which it would. You mentioned that expert mindset versus the beginning beginner mindset. As you talk to other entrepreneurs that see the success that you've built and want to follow your path, what advice do you give to them in those early days? You know, as entrepreneurs, our job is to build something valuable and we build valuable things by pursuing worthy opportunities and making great decisions over a long period of time. And good decision-making requires good thinking and, and great perspective and good thinking just requires time. I think people don't realize that you you actually have to sit down and think through things and it takes a lot more time, especially as things become more complex and, and bigger. So my advice is really refine your perspective to be more in line with reality and leave time for good thinking so that you can make really good decisions. And the other piece of advice that I love to give, and it's probably, I think, the most important thing It's also really cliche, which is follow your gut. And it's really easy to say and hard to do because gut is such a funny thing. In society, there are really common misconceptions about the gut. People think that gut and data do not go hand in hand. And we're in a data obsessed world. So we're often sort of shunning people for listening to their gut. But gut is actually a compilation of thousands of data points collected through observation and experience. So from my point of view, it's a really powerful tool and entrepreneurs should use it more and more. They really do know what's best. They know why they started their business. They know how it works, how it operates, where the opportunity is, and they should lean into to what they know versus rummaging through data sets all the time. Well, I think that is a, a great place to kind of end the conversation on. I can't thank you enough for joining me and sharing the story of the amazing brand that you built. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.